Welcome to the podcast of Woburn Baptist Church. We hope that you enjoy listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. I want to begin with a story. John Harper was born in a Christian home in Glasgow, Scotland in 1872. When he was about 14 years old, he became a Christian himself, and from that time on, he began to tell others about Christ. At 17 years of age, he began to preach, going, on, going down the streets of, of his village and pouring out his soul in passionate pleading for men to be reconciled to God. After five or six years of toiling on street corners, preaching the gospel, and working in the mill during the day, Harper was taken by the Reverend E.A. Carter of Baptist Pioneer Mission in London. This set Harper free to devote his whole time and energy to the work so dear to his heart, evangelism. Soon, in September 1896, Harper started his own church, this church, which he began with just 25 members, numbered over 500 by the time he left 13 years later. During this time, he had been both married and widowed. Before he lost his wife, God, bl- God blessed Harper with a beautiful girl named Nana. Harper's life was an eventful one. He almost drowned several times. When he was two and a half years of age, he fell into a well but was resuscitated by his mother. At the age of 26, he was swept out to sea by a reverse current and barely survived. And at 32, he faced death on a leaking ship in the Mediterranean. If anything, these brushes with death simply seemed to confirm John Harper in his zeal for evangelism, which marked him out for the rest of his days. While pastoring his church in London, Harper continued his fervent and faithful evangelism. In fact, he was so, such a zealous evangelist that the Moody Church in Chicago asked him to come over to America for a series of meetings. He did, and they went well. A few years later, Moody Church asked him if he would come back again. And so it was that Harper boarded a ship one day with a second-class t- ticket at Southampton, England, for the voyage to America. Harper's wife had died just a few years before, and he had with him his only child, Nana, age six. What happened after this, we know mainly from two sources. One is Nana, who died in 1986 at the age of 80. She remembered being woken up by her father a few nights into their journey. It was about midnight, and he said that the ship that they were on had struck an iceberg. Harper and Nana Harper told Nana that another ship was just about there to rescue them, but as a precaution, he was going to put her in a lifeboat with an older cousin who had accompanied them. As for Harper, he would wait until the other ship arrived. The rest of the story is a tragedy well known. Little Nana and her cousin were saved, but the ship they were on was the Titanic. The only way we know what happened to John Harper after this is because in a prayer meeting in Hamilton, Ontario, Ontario, some months later, a young Scotsman stood up in tears, and he told the extraordinary tale of how he was converted. He explained that he had been on the Titanic, 
the night that it had struck the iceberg. He had clung to a piece of floating debris in the freezing waters. Suddenly, he said, a wave brought a man near, John Harper. He too was holding a piece of wreckage. He called out, man, are you saved? No, I'm not, I replied. He shouted back, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The waves bore Harper away, but a little later he was washed back beside me again. Are you saved now? He called out. No, I answered. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Then, losing hold of the wood, Harper sank. And there alone in the night, with two miles of water under me, I trusted Christ as my Savior. I am John Harper's last convert. I've shared this before on a Thursday night, but I thought it fitting tonight. We're looking at Jonah, chapter 2. Jonah was there in the waters. And what we're going to hear tonight, today is uh, his recounting of his experience until the Lord saved him. And the point that he drives home is that salvation belongs to the Lord. Let's read um, Jonah chapter 2, but we'll start in uh, verse 17 of chapter 1. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of, of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought my life, brought up my life from the pit. O Lord my God, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you, into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will repay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you have called us here to this place. There is no one here by accident, but we are all here. And Lord, our prayer is that we would hear your word. Lord, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Lord, give us hearts to respond in faith. Father, be with me. Lord, I need your strength to preach your word. I am weak, Lord, but you are strong. Lord, I need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we looked at the beginning of 
Jonah, chapter 1, where it tells about how God called Jonah to go to the Ninevites and to preach to them. And he didn't want to do it. The Ninevites were a violent people. They didn't, uh, they didn't have any regard for life. Jonah ran the other way. He wanted to get away from the presence of the Lord. He did not want God to be looking down on him to see him. He wanted to go as far away as he could, but he could not run. He could not outrun God. He got on a boat. He paid the fare. He went down into the ship. And he went to sleep. And the storm came and it raged upon the waters. The mariners, the sailors, they were afraid. They saw this storm that the God Almighty, the God of heaven, Jonah says, the God of heaven who made the land and the sea had thrust this storm upon the waters. And the ship was about to break up and they came down and they found Jonah and they they said, Jonah, get up and pray. Call on your God that he might have mercy upon us. They determined it was Jonah's fault. They asked Jonah, what should we do? What should we do that we can be saved from this tempest? And he said, throw me overboard. Hurl me overboard, and the wind and the waves will cease. They didn't want to. They tried other things. They tried to row to the shore, but nothing worked. And they finally cast him overboard. And what did they do? They sacrificed a sacrifice to the Lord. And they made vows to the Lord. And then the sea was was calm whenever they threw him overboard. This is where it picks up. They expected Jonah would die. They expected that whenever he he was thrown overboard that there was no hope for him. That he was was completely lost. That he he was going to completely be killed and devastated. But the Lord had a plan for Jonah. It says the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. This was the Lord's plan. He appointed this fish. He made he created this fish. He was the God who made the land and the sea, the God of heaven who made the land and the sea, and he made all the creatures of the deep as well. He made all the fish and he appointed this one giant fish. We don't know what it was. Some have called it a whale in the past, but it doesn't say a whale. It says a fish. The Lord appointed this great fish to swallow up Jonah. Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. There's been a debate through the years. What was this fish that God appointed? Was it judgment or was it salvation? The fact that Jonah got swallowed by a whale, was it judgment 
I mean, nobody would want to end up in the belly of a whale, would they? So was it the judgment or was it salvation? I think as we look at Jonah's prayer here, we'll see that it's salvation. God used this great fish to save Jonah. Jonah says that whenever he was in the belly of the fish, he prayed. And this is, this is his prayer. And I want you to notice something. He's not praying about, save me from the fish. He's thanking God for how he's already been saved from the water. Listen to what he says. I called out of my distress and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried and you heard my voice. What was Jonah's distress? I mean, he was in the belly of the whale and yet he already is saying, you answered me. You heard my cry. You heard my voice. I called out of my distress. His distress was being in the water. His distress was the fact that he was about to drown. And the Lord appointed this fish and swallowed up Jonah, answering Jonah's prayer. He saved Jonah. I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried. What is Sheol? Sheol is the grave. Sheol is often spoken of as the grave. Sometimes it's also uh, that, that realm of the dead where people go to wait the final judgment. But Jonah here, he, he, he hadn't died, but he was as good as dead, wasn't he? He'd been thrown overboard in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea and there was no hope from his perspective. And he cried out from this belly of the grave, And the Lord heard his voice. Then it says, For you cast me into the deep. Now we know from reading the story, Jonah, uh, he told these mariners, Throw me in and the waters will cease. But Jonah recognizes that this all happened from the Lord. And he says, You... Lord, you are the one that cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. And then he says, and a flood surrounded me. The word there for flood is is the word for a river. It was like like the currents were just sweeping him around and, and he was being drawn by the currents everywhere. These currents, they surrounded him. And his waves and his billows, they just passed over the top of him. He couldn't get any air. They were just crashing down on top of him, these waves and the billows. And then, verse 4, Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. I've been, been cast away from before your eyes, is what it literally says. Remember, what was Jonah trying to do in chapter 1? He was fleeing from before the Lord. He wanted to get away from the piercing vision of God that was looking down on him. He wanted to run away from God's presence. And what did he get for that? Verse 4, I am driven away from your sight. 
He got what he wanted, didn't he? We can be careful if we try to run from God, try to hide things from God. Jonah got exactly what he wanted. He was driven away from before the eyes of the Lord. But it wasn't what he wanted. The idea here, Jonah was was cast away. You know, uh, in in, uh, Psalm 51, what David prays, Cast me not away from your presence, O Lord. We, We want to be under the vision of God. We want His care and His protection. But Jonah, as he was there struggling in the waters, trying to get some air to breathe, he felt as if God had completely abandoned him. And he said, you have cast me into the deep, into the heart of the sea, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows, whose waves? They're they're God's waves and billows. They passed over me, and I said, I am driven away from your sight. Have you ever felt like, does God even see my pain? Does God even see? That's how Jonah felt. He felt like he was completely and utterly abandoned. Yet, he begins to have hope. He cries out, you've driven me away from your presence. But then he says, yet I shall look upon your holy temple. He starts to begin to have faith. Yet I shall look upon your holy temple. Jonah begins to see. He is once again. He he believes that he is going to see the Lord and worship him. Again he talks about his experience there in the waters. The waters closed in over me to take away my life. The waters just. They were choking him. They were up to his neck. About to kill him. The deep surrounded me. There was no way out. The weeds were wrapped around my head. You can imagine as he was sinking down into the water. And the seaweed was just getting wrapped up and there was no way. He was fighting and struggling to try to be able to swim. But the seaweed was even tangling him up and he couldn't get even any air. Verse 6, at the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose, bo- uh, whose bars closed upon me forever. He's giving this image of going down, down, down into the waters, down to the very bottom, down to the roots of the mountains. And he, 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 he gives this image of, of the bars of the earth imprisoning him down at the bottom. Yet, here again he speaks with hope, yet you brought up my life from the pit. He's saying this from the belly of the fish. He says, I was sinking down, yet you brought my life up from the pit. He hasn't lost hope completely. Things look very drastic. He is in the belly of this fish. 
And yet he still has hope. He still has faith. He says the Lord has brought him up from the pit. Just thinking, you know, I, I was sinking down, yet the Lord prepared this fish for me. And he saved me from the waters. You have brought my life up from the pit. Verse 7. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came up to you into your holy temple. His life was fainting away. He, he felt like he, he was on his death's bed. He, he, he had no more breath in him. And yet he began to look to the Lord. Have you ever felt like you were at your wit's end? Like there was no hope for you. And yet, you began to look to the Lord. Look to Him. And he, he says He looked to His holy temple. That's the second time that's been mentioned. Both of the times in, in uh, Jonah's looking to the Lord in faith. Verse 8. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will repay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. He makes a contrast here. Idol worshipers. Those idol worshipers. Those very ones that he did not want to go and preach to. Like the Ninevites. These idol worshipers, they have forsaken any hope of steadfast love. They have turned... As Romans chapter 1 says, they've turned and exchanged the living God for creeping things, for these idols. And they worshiped and served the creator rather the creature rather than the creator. These people who who regard vain idols, these idol worshipers, they have forsaken any hope of steadfast love. But Jonah says, I, with the voice of thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Notice these last verses. Jonah is saying that he's going to do the very same things that the mariners who threw him overboard did. What did they do? Whenever they threw Jonah overboard and, and the winds calmed and the sea was peaceful, they sacrificed and they made vows to the Lord. Jonah here, whenever he confesses and, and he thanks God for his salvation, he says, I, with a voice of thanksgiving, will make sacrifices to you. And I will pay what I have vowed. Basically, Jonah is saying, Lord, what, what you require of me, I will do. He confesses and he repents there in the middle of the fish. God had, had, had sent his word to Jonah, telling him, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it. Jonah, here, he says, I will do what I have vowed to do. 
And then he says, salvation belongs to the Lord. This is really the point, I think, of chapter 2. God has done all of these things. God was the one who appointed the fish. God was the one who drove Jonah from his presence and, and brought about conviction and repentance in his heart. And God was the one who in, chapter, in verse 10, it says, And the Lord spoke to the fish. The Lord was in control of this fish. He, he spoke to this fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And it still does. I had Anna read the uh, passage there from uh, Matthew that references Jonah. Jesus, uh, he said that the people there wanted a sign, but no sign would be given to him except for the sign of the prophet Jonah. And that's the passage that talks about how Jonah was in the belly of the whale for, or the fish for three days and three nights, and so the Son of Man will be in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights. We read this prayer of Jonah and we can kind of see some of the things that maybe Jesus experienced while he was in the belly of the earth. What did Jesus cry out on the cross? But my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Kind of like what Jonah said whenever he said, you cast me into the deep and I am driven away from your sight. Jonah felt abandoned by God and yet there was a greater Jonah. Jesus Christ was one who felt abandoned by God, just like Jonah. And he was nailed upon a cross for you and me. And he experienced God's wrath that we all deserve being poured out upon himself. And he was buried in a tomb. A stone was rolled in front and he lay there for three days. Yet he rose again, just like Jonah. Jonah was in the belly of the whale or the fish for three days and three nights. Yet he had faith through it and he looked to the Lord and the Lord brought his life up from the pit and he was spit out on the dry land. Jonah in this chapter points forward to the one who saves all of us. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And we are saved by looking to Jesus Christ. Looking to what He did there upon the cross. Trusting in Him. Confessing our sins. Confessing that we are broken and lost without Him. Repenting of it all. Turning to Him. Living out a life of repentance.
Salvation belongs to the Lord. Thank you for listening to this message from Woburn Baptist Church. For more information, please visit us at www.wilburnbaptistchurch.org or you can also like us on Facebook.